Welcome to the Slip in Atlanta Sports Podcast for the true ATL and I am the host Brandon Baird. You can follow me on Twitter at Bairdy underscore Slip. Oh, Giggity's with the user ho for 500 biddies. I appreciate it. Today I have my boy Mike Clayton on the show with me. Um, <laughs> I got my man Mike Clayton on the show with me to do this special Falcons preview show. Mike, how you doing today? I'm, I'm doing fantastic. You know, it's Friday. It's a long weekend. We got uh, AW All Out coming out on Sunday. But uh-huh. most importantly, that's slip. Football season, baby. It's, it's football, football season. season. It's and football excited. season. Got to put on whatever shirt, whatever jersey, whatever hat you got. Because football's here, baby. We're going to the Super Bowl. So I I got the football shirt for the listeners talking about, you know, we talk about the true Atlanta sports fan. If you can't make out the hat, Augusta Green Jackets just got back from that ballpark this past weekend. So still keeping it local, supporting the Bravos and their playoff push. Yeah, man, the the Bravos, uh, they're hanging on to a two-game lending elite in NL East. Uh, Definitely shocked about that. We got to bring you back for some of that Braves talk, huh? We'll do some Braves talk. But, of course, today is strictly focused on the birds. Um, I don't know where to start other than how are you feeling with Matt Ryan turning, what, is he 37 now? 35? Or is he 30? He's in that older range. He's coming into the last few years of his his good years how are you feeling about matt ryan so far i'm I'm feeling okay i'm feeling i'll say cautiously optimistic uh about matty ice uh the reason being that yeah he's getting up there in age but we've seen quarterbacks playing longer Uh uh-huh and i know a lot of people go well you're talking about tom brady tom brady's the goat you know he's an exception to the rule I'm not just talking about him. You have Philip Rivers doing his thing. You've yep. got a lot of quarterbacks uh, that in recent years have played well into their late 30s, into their 40s. And Matt has not – I haven't seen any signs of him slowing down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say that, you know, the last few seasons have been all problem-free and anything like that, but you, you don't see that, that wear and tear. You don't really see him – sort of crumbling now father time is undefeated always undefeated catch up uh, to everyone at some point but going into this season at least i don't have as big a concern from the age perspective just Mm -hmm. because i haven't seen it now granted in the arthur smith regime apparently you don't see anything in preseason um but you know he'd only play in preseasons of yesteryear a couple quarters max so it'd still be hard to tell there um, but when it comes to the age right now, you know, it's not an issue. It's not an yeah. issue that I saw last year, even with four wins. I wouldn't put that on, oh, Matt's breaking down. Um, so, you know, you go in this giving him the benefit of the doubt. I think you have to. The thing about Father Time is that even Father Time has gotten to Brady. There's a reason why he's not throwing any out routes. Matt Ryan's arm continues to look good enough. He's never had the strongest arm, but he can get the job done. And I'm not worried about any anybody playing in the preseason because 
a lot of the skill players were coming back. We have a tight end that's, of course, new with Kyle Pitts. But he's going to be running a lot of routes that he ran at Florida. So I am not too worried about him getting the reps that he needs to go out there and catch the ball and make some plays. Now, what I am worried about is this offensive line. Um, Earlier this week, uh, our left guard, um, Andrews, went down with a broken hand. And he was going to be our starter at left guard. Right now, they're looking like they're going to throw that boy Mayfield out of Michigan at left guard. Does that worry you at all? Yes, it worried me when Andrews was the starter. Because, you know, I don't know. I keep up with the NFL, of course. I try to follow everyone. It's hard to know every offensive lineman. Right. Um, You know, I don't have much info on Andrews other than the little bit that I saw him play this preseason and what you're hearing from the reports in camp and quite frankly didn't look good didn't look good at all so i was and he won the job outright (laughs) outright Uh, and so if if someone didn't look good wins the job has to miss at least three weeks and you go with Jalen mayfield Uh who you know i'm a former lineman i try to pay attention to the lines in the preseason right that boy ain't look ready Right. Um, yeah. And once again, he's a rookie. That happens sometimes. You know, you got to take your lumps. Um, but what did uh, what did Coach Smith say? Everybody's got to get baptized sometimes. Yeah. Everybody, and that's not the phrase I want to hear from a coach. I wish it wasn't Week One against Fletcher Cox still up there in Philly, right? I mean, um, that you're talking about getting baptized by a top three defensive tackle in the game. And the, the other thing, that what gives me worry um, about that left guard situation, especially with Mayfield, with a younger guy, needs the experience. If this was years past, even just last year, you'd have a little more confidence because to his left, you would have, um, you'd have Jake Matthews, which mm-hmm. I've never understood the hate on Jake Matthews from a large portion of our fan base. Uh, I guess it's because of where he got drafted. Oh my God, it's so juicy! Not the best left tackle in football. That don't matter. He's a good left tackle. He's a he's he's a he's a above average left tackle. Taco, thank you for the sub. Um, Above average left tackle that doesn't get enough respect for the protection that he provides at a premium position. Exactly. And so you feel, and if this was last year, for example, if we had last year's O-line, you'd say, okay, you got Jake Matthews to his left, you got Alex Mack to his right at center, you can say, okay, he can take some lumps, we can get a little bit of help. Uh-huh. That's different this season. Right. Alex Mack is gone, you got Matt Hennessy stepping in at center, which, quite frankly, we don't know if he's good or not. You know, there's not enough uh, game tape out there to tell if he's if he's going to be good. And even if he is, that's a young player in his own right. You right. Know, I know he played a little bit last year, but this is his first year going in as the true bona fide starting center. It shouldn't be up to him to pick up some slack for the dude to his left. He should be uh-huh. focusing on his thing. So it, it really, of, of all the position groups, and I know we'll get to them one by one, there's a 1A and a 1B of what worries me going into the season. The O-line is that. Um, yeah. Because I feel, I feel comfortable with Jake Matthews. And really, even his haters should feel at minimum comfortable. You right. know what you're getting from him. Frankly, it's solid left tackle play. 
right. should all feel really good about Chris Lindstrom. Smaller sample size, but once again, that boy's looked good when he's been out there. Yeah, he's definitely um, looked good. Um, positive on McGarry, um, but you know, still some question marks. But then they, but because there's still some, they're too many. Um, um, scared about left guard. No idea what's going to happen at center. Um, and you know, as an O line goes, an offense goes. So it does give me some pause. Well, the thing is, McGarry and Lindstrom are heading into their third year. You're hoping that they're going to be able to make that jump. Um, And not a huge jump, but a jump to where I'm talking about they're not going to be a liability or we aren't worried about them consistently getting beat. And they weren't consistently getting beat in in the previous couple years. They actually held their own pretty well over their first couple of seasons even with both of them having um, some injury problems. Now, we can, uh, O-line can sometimes work with one guy that is below average. Do you think this team will be okay with two below average positions at left guard and center if the other three are oh my god it's so juicy no i don't think any team can really be that Hmm. successful on offense when you have two below if two of your five linemen are below Mm -hmm. average no um if one like you said if one of them is right yeah you can sort of scheme around it to a degree um you can try to play to their strengths um, but if you got two people, that's a big old hole. That's a big old hole if you're saying everything yep. between. And this is hypothetical. Um, now I'll say Jake or um, you know Mayfield may be okay. I don't have a lot of hope of it. I have more hope for Hennessy. Yes, you know, he definitely. May a lot. He may be, he may be good. But let's mm-hmm. hypothetically let's say he's not. And you have a hole from Jake Matthews, your left tackle, to Chris Lindstrom, your right guard. You can't survive. That's a that big hole. That's a big old hole. One silver lining that we can take from having a new center is that there haven't been any bad reports about Matt Hennessy. True. And it don't and he started the final two games of last season and did all right. He did. He also got some run earlier in the season at left guard, though, and looked mm-hmm. awful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's hope it's the it's the, the latter games right. that are more meaningful than those former ones and not just because of who he's lined up across uh, mm-hmm. the ball from. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, did you read the article by Jeff Schultz uh, where he had the interview with Arthur Blank? I'll, uh, you could have just said, did you read the article by Jeff Schultz, full stop. No, I don't read Jeff Schultz. I don't, oh, damn. Jeff Schultz. I don't respect his opinions most of the time. Fill me in. I heard some of the quotes. When I, I actually like Jeff Schultz. I met the guy. He, he's a decent guy. Is he a good guy? I'm not getting on him as a guy. I'm getting, I mean, I'm getting on his, his sports opinions. I, well, I, I think one and the same, personally. But <laughs> 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 um, He, in... In the article with Arthur Blank. It can't be one and the same. I've met some Saints fans that are decent people. Not very many of them. Not very many of them. I mean. You can have have shit sports opinions and still be a good guy. Yeah. 
Well, touche to that. <laughs> In that article, Arthur Blank talked about the deteriorating relationship with Julio Jones. And I don't care about the deteriorating relationship with Julio Jones. I care about these Atlanta Falcons fans that are now angry at Julio Jones. As you see, I'm not one of those people. I'm still wearing his jersey. I'm always going to wear his jersey. What do you have to say about these people criticizing a future Hall of Famer and the best wide receiver this Falcons team has ever had? I I think it can be I think it can go both ways um, because if if these things come out and it casts Julio from what I've seen it casts him in a in a negative light and you want to be angry about that that's fine in the short term you know right. we're just getting this information have your anger but at the same time like you said you do have to to I think you know a, even just a few weeks or if it's a few years you have to come back and say. Yeah, Julio did a lot of really good things. Mm-hmm. Man, I really enjoyed watching Julio get out there and play on Sundays. You know, as you said, best receiver we've ever had. Um, I am happy that uh, Roddy still has the touchdown record, yeah. I believe. Yeah, he, he deserves yeah. it. He deserves it. But we got that. But, yeah, best best receiver. Um, respect. You can respect the man and what he's done without respecting those last decisions yeah. uh, within that deteriorating relationship. So I can think it could be both. If they're fans voicing their displeasure, mm-hmm. um, voice it. Get it out there. That's fine. Um, but it has to be in perspective. You know, none of the Julio's a bum. No, he ain't. What, what have you been watching for the, the last, what has it been, 11 years? Nine years? I mean, it's it just the... The vitriol that's going towards him for, you know, people angry at him not practicing and things like that. It's just like he practiced, he didn't practice and was a top three receiver every single year that he didn't practice. Don't, don't look back at the time and then be angry that he didn't practice. That just, that just doesn't make sense. And, and that's where a lot of those, the points that a lot of these anger fans were making just didn't make sense. Yeah, it, it doesn't, because if, if your thing is about him not practicing, I don't recall him and, and Matt looking off, you know, mm-hmm. not being on the same page yeah. in games. You know, and that's what <clears throat> practice essentially is supposed to do. Uh-huh. It, exactly. But that brings to the bigger point. We lost a big weapon. I'm not that worried about it. Calvin Ridley went off without Julio Jones. Russell Gage stepped up in place of Julio Jones. We have a couple young guys um, like Alameda Zacchaeus that are in place. We have a supposed generational talent that's adding to that receiving core. I don't even know if we should call Cal Pitts a tight end because he's really a receiver. He's not a wide receiver, but he is a receiver. How do you feel about this receiving core losing a big piece like Julio Jones? So uh, now there, there are a couple of different takes on it. I'll say first and foremost, just the quick answer, good. I still feel pretty good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because even when they were both playing, um, Ridley wasn't that far away. 
Ridley was having more touchdowns. He was getting equal yards. He's uh-huh. not the beast that Julio is, but he runs better routes. Mm-hmm. I think he has slightly better hands. Um, if Calvin Ridley is your number one, there are, I would say, at least maybe 27 teams in the NFL that would love to have Calvin Ridley as their number one, where he'd be the number one if he went to those teams. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's not much better than him. So if you have a guy where it's like, we need to make a play, and, you know, you go years back, we need to make that play, you get it to Julio, he can make the play. We still have that guy. That's yeah. proven already that uh-huh. if you need to make that play, you can get it to Calvin. Uh, he's going to do all right. Now, when you look at the question about how we classify receiver, also has some, you know, a slight switch in my answer a bit because if we're talking about the true wide receivers, just breaking down that wide receiver room, I believe there's six on the team now. You got Calvin. We talked about him. Right. I personally am glad to hear you give Russell Gage some love. As your loyal listeners may not know, you and I have been going back and forth for years on how yeah. good Russell Gage is. Yeah, I, I, I was definitely a Russell, not a Russell Gage hater, but I just didn't see it. There was hate. You wanted him maybe a little bit. I was like, no, just watch. He's not just a special team guy, and he's gotten better and better every year. Mm-hmm. And so you remember when, when our one-two, um, before, right before Ridley, we had Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu? I think yeah. Russell Gage can play that Mohamed Sanu role. You know, go over the middle. And Without a doubt. And get you 800 yards, maybe not a lot of touchdowns, but he's getting those tough yards in the middle. He's developed, so I feel mm-hmm. very comfortable with him at two. Now, when you look at the rest of the wide receiving core, there's some question marks. Yes. Um, I am big on Zacchaeus. Uh, You've heard me say this, but one thing, I've always been high. It was a guy I wanted to make the team when he was an undrafted free agent because I I believe he would still be UVA's all-time leading receiver. Yeah. And if you have, they're not the best football program in the world, but they're a power five football program. We have a Power 5 program, and this is essentially the best that they've ever had to do it. Probably some talent there, especially as an undersized guy. Started as a running back, so you know, adjusting to a new position was still able to get those records. Um, that's a guy that shows he put, he put in the work in college, got better and better. Uh, and it's guys like that that tend to make those sort of unheralded impacts when they get to the league. They're not the freak in terms of size and speed. But they're good at what they do. Uh, so, I'm, but once again, we don't have a big sample size for mm-hmm. Zacchaeus. Um, well, I, you know, the I, one I, thing I would like to see with Zacchaeus is someone just give the man a chance. He hasn't given chance. enough. He has not been given enough run to show what he can actually do in his first few times being active. And now a little sure. bit of that is you got Calvin, you got Gage, you got Julio. So there's not going to be enough room. But now there's no other people in front of him. You got to see what he's got. to. You got to put him in position to see what we can actually get out of him on the outside. And we're, we're going to see it. Um, yeah. We may see it a bit on the outside. I think we're going to see it uh, a, a bit in the slot. The mm-hmm. fact that he basically didn't play. I know he got out there a few snaps during the preseason. He's solidified right. as that number three receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be out, And it depends on what they want to do with Gage just based on um, on the physical standpoint, I imagine Gage is probably going to go outside and Zacchaeus is going to go in 
um, you know, to, to that slots position. But it may switch. But either way, he's going to have his chance to prove himself. I think it's good. I'm hopeful. But once again, it's another unknown there. Um, let's see. So, okay, a little bit of an unknown quantity. Uh-huh. We got three more receivers on the roster. Um, I know there's your boy Christian Blake. Oh, uh, I don't know what he does in practice. I'm confused. I, I mean, he, he must do a lot in practice because I don't see shit in the games. I haven't for years now. You know, he's the guy that's been around where you say, yeah, not a lot of tape. We watch these preseasons and he's yes. been fighting spot, so he's been playing every preseason right. and every preseason I've gone, oh yeah, this guy looks good. Or this guy looks mm-hmm. I've never once gone, Christian Blake is really showing out. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, I'll call it now. Um, I don't think he's on the team opening week. You don't think uh, he's on the team? Wow. I, I think mean, he's on the team because, uh, you know, who else is going to be there? It's not like anybody else balled out. Some guy that's not on our team, like these last couple of moves, which I know we'll address mm-hmm, a little bit mm-hmm. later. Um, and, and there's another reason I don't think he'll be on the team. Um, you got Tajay Sharp, who, you know, in his limited career, hasn't really done much. Um, but an Arthur first, Smith guy. An Arthur Smith guy. And yeah. one thing for him, he's our, and it's not a huge, this kind of speaks to the rest of the guys. He's our biggest receiver. So if you yeah. need that big body, I imagine, you know, he'll come in and, and play a few snaps there. But that, he didn't impress me. Didn't really get any separation mm-hmm. uh, in the preseason. Um, and then the last guy on the roster, who, who am I? Oh, Darby. That, Frank that Darby. man, Frank Darby? Did I get his name right? Frank? He did. Frank Darby. Frankie. Okay. Um, you know, rookie. Uh, late round draft pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Let's see what he's got. Um, from what I've heard in some interviews after the draft, I'm just happy he's on the team to hear more of his interviews. You know, a, it seems like a pretty funny guy. I want to mm-hmm. hear him talk, but he, he's someone that's probably going to be a game day inactive. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's fine for a late round pick, you know, last receiver on the depth chart. Yeah. Uh, but with some of those names I've gone over, depth is a real concern. Um, and, you know, knock on some wood with me. I'm not even going to talk about wide receiver one, but let's say Gage gets hurt at some point, has to miss a couple games, and you're going with Ridley, Zacchaeus, and Tajay Sharp, or well, Christian Blake. That's where we're in a good position at tight end, though. Yes, and that ties in to my second point there, where I was saying how I feel about that position group uh-huh. switches with your definition of receivers. Right. Um, because Kyle Pitts is a freak. Um, mm-hmm. And with who, and I imagine the majority, not all of it, but the majority of Julio's target share is going to Kyle Pitts. Yes. And he's a receiver, but because he's lined up at tight end, you're going to put a corner on him. You're going to put a linebacker. You're going to put safety. Whoever you put on him, you put a corner on him. He can just turn around and stick his hands up, and he's going to mm-hmm. be catching over them. You put mm-hmm. a linebacker on him, he's going to run past you, um, you know, on those go routes and whatnot. He can do so – if he if his college production and his potential translates to the NFL, yeah, he's going to be nigh impossible to stop. But I also think a lot of folks are slipping on Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst also has an, an incredible skill set that I – don't mm-hmm. think we utilized enough at all last year. 
Um, now, that's largely because we had a bum as our offensive coordinator. Um, I hope he doesn't he get any more jobs, by the way. <laughs> I, I don't. He, he's made enough money. I'm, he's he's going to be able to feed his family, but Dirk Cutter should not be hired by anyone. He shouldn't be hired by the Pee Wee League. I seem to remember. I may be wrong. Um, maybe one, maybe one of your loyal listeners can tell us. I seem to him. I seem to remember him getting a college job, but then sort of retiring quickly after he got that college job. You, you know it's what? Like, I remember us laughing at that at one point. I um, think it's something like that. But now it's even a better position. It sounds weird that since Kyle Pitts is clearly the tight end one, mm-hmm. I think Hayden Hurst is going to be in a better position. Yeah. Because now they're going to have to scheme for Kyle Pitts. They're going to have to scheme for Ridley, which they've been doing. Um, and then you have Hayden Hurst. I think we're going to run a lot of two tight end sets. You know, Arthur mm-hmm. Smith is a two tight end guy. They ran that a lot in Tennessee. Um, and now you've, if you are taking more of your resources to Kyle Pitts, if you're putting that safety or a nickel trying to cover him just to keep up with him, mm-hmm. now you have to play like a rushing linebacker because it's going to be that side of the field covering Hayden Hurst. He's going to run circles around them. So when you think about, and this goes with the difference between judging the wide receiver group and judging the receiver group, because yeah. those yep. wide receivers where I had question marks, they are options five, six, seven. Option one is Ridley. Option two is Pitts. Option three is probably Gage, but might be Hayden Hurst. Those are your top four, yeah. and I feel very comfortable with those four. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the bottom of the wide receiver roster, um, one, they may not even be active on game day, and two, they're only going to be in on running plays where they better be able to block. You know, I hope they're able to block. But, um, That's where Lee Smith comes in. Yeah. Um, I think that Hayden Hurst is going to be able to still get like 45 catches for like 500 to 600 yards. I think that's reasonable. Now, the big question, and, you know, people throw out this just because it ne- doesn't happen or it's only happened once in history, it will never happen again. But I think Kyle Pitts is, you know, putting his over under at a thousand is not a stretch at receiving it's, yards. It, it, it's not a stretch. Um, it's not a stretch. It's funny you throw out that number um, because you, I don't know, I haven't heard this on the slip. You never uh, talk about our long-running fantasy football league. Um, that we're I'll say I, I have Kyle Pitts. I drafted right. Kyle Pitts. Yeah, right before I was going to take him. <laughs> yeah, I had to do it. Yeah. Um, a couple of the league members were over my place drafting, and we got into that question where it was how many yards you expect of Kyle Pitts. Um, it, was, it was essentially what would you set the over-under at? Um, and I said, ah, you know, because over under, you're not, I'm not taking it. It's what I'm setting it at. Mm-hmm. But I set it at a thousand yards. Or mm-hmm. no, I set it a little bit below. Yeah, I think okay, I, I got you. Because I could see it being close to a thousand. I could also see it being in the 800s. But if it's mm-hmm. in the 800s, I'm seeing 10 plus touchdowns if you utilize your targets properly yeah. in the reds. Yeah, that's a lot of touchdowns, but I, I can definitely see it. Um, just because of how creative they're going to be able to use him, he's he's a mitch he's a mismatch wherever you line him up, and there's only 
there's only a handful of people that are going to be able to guard him. Yeah, um, or at least guard him use, consistently. You can't use your best coverage man against him because Calvin Ridley is on our team. Mm-hmm. And that's where this mismatch of having Hayden Hurst, having Russell Gage as your number three and four guys is is so it's so big that this offense can continue to flow as they have in the past. Which brings us to the other side of the game. We've spent a lot of time focused on passing. Uh, What's going on? Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say the other side of the ball. Do you mean the other side of the uh, the offense? Other game? side of the offense, yes. Okay, okay, we're on the same page. Yes, we're on, the, okay. Yeah, the other side of the offense. We've talked a lot about passing. Listen, we're, we are Falcons fans that saw Jamal Anderson and Bob Christian. We're, we are Falcons fans that saw T.J. Duckett worked on Michael Vick, Jarius Norwood, Michael Turner. Mm, the burner. And we always say, we, we saw Devontae Freeman. I, how can I leave him out? He was a top five guy when, when he was in his prime. Tandem of him and Coleman was a fantastic guy. Mm-hmm. Our tandem now is Mike Davis. And Wayne Gallman and Corderell Patterson. I've consistently said that this team needs a running game and a consistent running game for them to be successful. I don't need them to be a great running game. I don't need a thousand yard runner, but I need a team that's going to be able to pick up three yards when you need it. I'm worried about that this year. That's our biggest flaw of this offense. Even past the offensive linemen. You said you said the key there, uh, Slip. Because um, you saw a smile there today. I feel we talked about the backs previously, mm-hmm. and I was sort of panicking. Yeah. Because if you're running backs, Cordero Patterson. Let's be honest, he's not a running back, and so he's a gadget guy. He's a gadget guy, which is good. Yeah. I like having yeah. him on the team. I hope we scheme him up nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, but if your second string running back is a gadget guy, and the third string is Quadri Olison, who now I think we will just frankly never know if he's good or not. We'll never know. Uh, this man, this run. man, two se- This uh, is the man two seasons ago that looked like he was a good third down back. Or a goal line back to where he'll pick up the yards that he wants. He he scored three touchdowns in like five touches, and then we never saw him again, never. like ever. Uh, but and, and that fact, I think it spoke a lot. You know that if if they if a if a regime doesn't want to play its own draft pick, he's doing something wrong. So I was very concerned. I am very happy with the Wayne Gallman signing. Yeah. Um, if you're looking at the running backs, Wayne Gallman had a, a good year last year. Uh-huh. Um, he averaged, I believe, it was four point six per carry. Um, you know, a good bit, a good bit of t- six touchdowns. I think he had on an awful Giants team uh-huh. that fell behind and had to pass a lot. 
Um, so did good work. And you look at Mike Davis, it was something similar. I think he was at 3.9 per carry. Yeah. Um, good bit chunk of receiving yards where combined he got up to about 1,000 yards of offense. When we brought, when we signed Wayne Gallman, I was thrilled because I was like, yeah, I don't know about, because it was, when it was Mike Davis, Cordero Patterson, and Quadri Olison, essentially that's saying this is the Mike Davis show. Uh-huh. I don't know if Mike Davis can be that guy, the bell cow. He may. No one knew. You mentioned Michael Turner. No one really knew if he could, and he proved he absolutely could. Mm-hmm. Davis may be fantastic. I won't write him off. But I feel much more comfortable that there's someone now with a proven track record in the NFL yep. about his skill set where you can say, now we have a 1A and a 1B, if it has to come to that. Dudes that, that can tote the rock. Uh, and so in, in terms of pure running backs, I, I feel much better today than I did yesterday with the news of that son, uh, signing. Mm-hmm. With the running game, this goes back to our opening point. I have serious concerns about the offensive line. And if the offensive line can't block, you know, you can have anyone that's not named Jim Brown because I don't think Jim Brown needed an offensive line. St. Simon's own. People don't know that. That's right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, anyway, you can have Barry Sanders back there. He's not going to make, you know, he's not going to have a big impact on the game. Um, if, if people are getting into the backfield. Because you talk about one of the stats I was reading about. I um, was talking about broken tackles, yards after contact for Mike Davis and Wayne Gallman. Both ranked very high in that in that area last year. But if the tackles you're breaking are in your backfield, then a good run at that point is probably one or two yards instead of a loss. You know? Yeah. Um, so for me, I feel much better about the running backs now that you have two people that have proven that if you have to make them a committee, neither one may be the man, but both of them have proved they can do some work. Uh-huh. It all goes back to that offensive line now. Yeah. And it's at least a step in the right direction where I had questions about the line and the running backs coming into this morning. You know, I was kind of relieved when I saw uh, Gallman as well. Because he, like you said, he had that proven record. And I think it also takes a little bit of pressure off of Mike Davis, who, when we had our previous conversation when we first signed Mike Davis, I was like, he could be similar to a a Michael Turner guy. Now, I, I did not say he was going to be the next Michael Turner. However, I said similar, which is a There's guy a that can can do what he needs to do to solidify a run game yeah i agree with you there and talking about you know the next michael turner nobody thought michael turner was going to be the right. you know the first michael turner mm-hmm. there was that chance and there's still that chance i think with mike davis but it's nice to say well if this doesn't pan out there's another guy that also has a proven track record we can just committee it up and right. of course you got cordero patterson Give him a couple touches, but there his touches will be tosses. He'll run some screens, things like that. I like having him on the team. I just don't like calling him a running back. Yeah, he, he's you a gadget guy, which which guy. makes me worried because that essentially says we have two running backs. We have two running backs now. There, this brings up another point that you and I talked about previously. Um, the of the running backs that played in the preseason. Um, I thought 
far and away the best one was Caleb Huntley. Yes. Um, and so I think it's going to be interesting. I don't think you have to do this anymore, but when it, until Wayne Gallman came, I was saying the only thing that will make me feel better about this committee is since you can bring two practice squad guys up to on the active roster each mm-hmm. week. I was like, let one of them be Caleb Huntley. Right. So if you need someone else to get in and if nothing is working in the running game, you can try something else. Um, so, you know, you can. that's still a possibility. Like if someone's t- – if, if Mike Davis uh, is a little banged up and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. needs a week, we'll say, you can maybe get by that week with Wayne Gallman, make Caleb Huntley active for Daryl Patterson. It's not ideal. But it's way better than when Quadri Olison would have been the bell cow. I think yes. we still don't know if he's good. One of the greatest mysteries, the, the great <laughs> mysteries in human history. It's like who were the sea people that defeated the Egyptians? History major going back. If closely followed by, is Quadri Olison good? Uh, and, and we'll never know. Um, we'll never know that answer. And and maybe we won't have to know. Um, it'll be interesting to see if someone picks him up. Um, but considering that the man had to be taught how to run again, um, and it's not like he had to be taught how to run after being like paralyzed or something. The man just was perfectly capable legs, didn't know how to run, and was a running back. I'll, I think he'll be back on the uh, the practice squad. Oh, you think he'll be back on a practice squad? I think so, because they cut Foreman. Uh, for somebody, I could see them mm-hmm. cutting someone down the road for him to come back. He beat out the other two running backs yeah, on the practice. Yeah, most squad. definitely. I thought I thought he was decent in his last game. I think there was one play where he was able to break it outside, and I wish he would have like lowered his head and powered over somebody in the end zone. But he looked all right, but yeah, apparently I, I not good he, enough. But I still, but even if he's back, it'll be the practice squad. So we'll still probably, hopefully, if that means people are staying healthy. We'll never know that great mystery. <laughs> Goodness. Do you have any other thoughts about this offense? Oh man, um, you know that's one of the that's one of those questions where the answer is always probably. Um, I think we've covered the, the offensive side of the ball. Uh, oh, there's there's one one point uh, that I want to ask you about. Uh huh. How do you feel about us carrying two backup quarterbacks? Because that's taken a job from some other position possibly of need. So I this is what I think is going to happen. Um, with only having three preseason games, it's not like you have one week um, to go from your last preseason to your first game. So that lets things play out a little bit. You don't have to make that cut as as um you know such a shrewd move as you usually would what i see happening is that they're gonna let felipe franks and josh rosen battle it out um which i think josh rosen is already the leader in they're gonna let them battle it out the person that loses the job is gonna get cut but then signed to the practice squad late next week where they're going to be able to re-sign them to the practice squad um, because everybody else's practice squad is going to be full. I don't think this is a, they think both are good enough to be on the team. I think they're saying we have to protect both of them. So let's wait this out, 
cut them, sign somebody else when more people make cuts um, as they prepare for this first week of the season? I have a uh, I have a different theory. I think they might keep both of them through the season because of the weird rules where a certain amount of your people have to be inactive on game day. I think I'm, this is just now. I'm not saying this is a guarantee, um, or even really what I think is really going to happen. But it's another theory of what I think could happen. Mm-hmm. I think it could be a situation where they keep both. Um, and to start, make Rosen the game day inactive and have, and this may not be a weekly thing, but in the playbook, have one or two things schemed up uh, for Felipe Franks in case you need something with a mobile quarterback to come in, some sort of gadget play, some sort of trick play. The fact that we have Cordero Patterson as our number, technically right now our number two running back, makes me think that they're going to have some trick plays in. I think you might see Franks being active on game weeks as as the backup, but if, knock on some wood with me again, but if anything were to happen where Maddie had to miss a few games, uh-huh. then Rosen would be the true, he'd be the next guy starting the game. Okay. I'm going to say this. Arthur Smith can keep them gadget pays in, in his playbook. Oh, so I he, he, he can keep it. We got we got Russell Gage for the gadget plays. We do have Russell Gage, but just in general, um, I don't think teams utilize across the board utilize enough yeah. gadget plays. You get you, you know NFL players by the nature by just drilling it into them are so mm-hmm. disciplined. Yeah, gadget plays work. Yeah, because it's throwing off that rhythm. I think you should be running at least two per game. Two per now, game. Wow. Two gadget plays per game. I know when I played way back in the day, one thing was every week, and this was true both in high school and college uh-huh. football with both those coaching staffs, every week there was a gadget play that was new and brought in just for that week. Now, you may pull it out later in the season, but it was essentially saying this is something no one's seen. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we're going to run this one time during this game. Because you run how many plays, even in, in a bad week, how many offensive plays do you run? 60. Uh, 50? 60? Yeah, 50 to 60. Um, and that's in a bad one. In a good uh-huh. one, you're running 70-something plays. You can have one or two gadget plays thrown in there. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that. I think it may if they like Franks and they fear that somebody might take Franks, drop some, some gadget play. The man showed he could run. That's adding a new option. I don't you know, know who. And that's once again one play because if it fails, throw it out of bounds, move on to third down. I, I don't think we have to worry about someone wanting Franks. I wouldn't either, but the fact that he's still on the team and not on the practice squad makes yeah. me think that maybe we do. Just with his size, the ability to run, uh, and having a strong arm, if he can work on his release. When I was watching the battle between Josh Rosen. I think I told you this previously. Early on, when it was Franks versus McCarron, and mm-hmm. they were both looking awful throwing the ball, I was like, oh, man, they, you know, this is both looking sloppy. And then Rosen came in, and just watching him throw the ball, it was different. I was like, oh, yeah, that's the – because he yeah. – it's Chris. There's a man with NFL uh, – that you can see why people thought he should be a top-ten pick. I think we've learned yeah. he shouldn't yeah. have. But you can see it. There was the Chris. You, you, you saw the, the skill that could be. 
you saw you saw those sort of intangibles. I think Frank's tangibles are better. He has a, a stronger arm from what I've seen. Once uh-huh. again, we talked about moving around a bit. If you can coach, and this is an if, if you can coach in some of the mechanics in, that could be a dangerous... Now, I'm not stretching too far here. That could be a dangerous backup. You know, that could be a really good yeah, backup. I hear that. Top I hear that. If you can groom him. And you know how NFL teams are. There can be some people that want to take that shot. There's a lot of no-name quarterbacks that no one has heard of serving as backup quarterbacks because they have the potential and and sought after. You mm-hmm. know? I definitely Moving away that. from the, the Matt Schaubs, where it's a guy that's been there, done that on the back end of his career. Let me see if I can build someone new, someone young. Mm-hmm. I definitely hear that. All right. Let's go over the side of the ball that I'm absolutely worried about. We can talk about offense all day because I think um, we're actually happy to talk about them. I don't think I'm ever happy to talk about the Falcons' defense. And what is worrisome about that is that we have some players on that defensive side. We got some players. You know? I don't know. I don't even know which position group I want to start with. So we'll just go front to back. Defensive line. Headed by defensive tackle. uh, Perennial pro bowler. Grady Jarrett. Record for sacks in a Super Bowl. Record holder. Pro bowler. Grady Jarrett. Number 97. Son of a legend. That's the only person I don't worry about. Well, that's not true. I just know he's going to go out there and he's going to tear shit up. Yeah. Um, So the D-line, you want me to start with my thoughts or you want to keep going on the D-line there? I don't have any other good thoughts. I I, 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 I released all my good thoughts about the D-line. I, I don't either. I don't either because the thing Grady is fantastic, and mm-hmm. I have been for years saying that I think he's Aaron Donald's the best defensive tackle in football. It's not really yes, without a doubt. I think Grady has a claim at being number two. I think he's that good. And I think, I think he is that good. Two, top five, mm-hmm. the minimum. You know, he is that good. You yeah. know what you're going to get out of Grady if you're switching up the scheme. I know early on um, people were talking. Well, you know, he's a He's a um, you know a four three defensive tackle. What's going to happen? He doesn't have the size to play you know the nose tackle in a three four. Are you going to put him at end? No one really runs a true four three or three four anymore. Not anymore. Um, you're going to put Grady where it works best. He's fine. Right. I think he's wreck shop. He's going to do Grady Jarrett things. Nice. Line him up over center. He's going to tear up your center. Line him over over your left guard. He's going to tear up your left guard. Line him up over your right guard. He's going to tear up your right guard. And defeat him. You want to put him at the end for some plays? Are you going to beat them tackles too? That's right. Um, so I feel good with uh, with Grady. Like you, that uh, that's where it stops. Remember at the beginning of our session today, where uh, I said there were two groups that that really worry me about oh, this man. team, and the first was the O line. 
we've made it to the second one. It's the D line. No. Because okay. um, let's let's think about this, B. Let's try to uh, try to run through the names. So you got graded. We'll we'll start with because there's some guys like I'm not I'm not gonna talk about my boy JTM or Dante Fowler right now because I, they're gonna be a different. Let's talk about true defensive linemen. It as if it were a true three four. Uh huh. So you got Grady. You got Tyler Davison. He's good. Uh, he's good. I like what In he spurts. can do, but he, he has a limited range on what he can do. Right. You know, he's a good run stopper. That's it. You know, you can bring him in in certain downs. Um, you got your boy, John Kaminsky, who, because of his versatility, because of his, you know, his attributes, his, his, his size, his strength, his speed, I used to be high on. Um, he looked like shit this preseason. I think we were talking earlier. Yeah, I thought I wasn't sure he was going to make the team. I wasn't either. I was, I was just watching some of his performance. I was like, he went from a guy that I was like, he could really be something to, oh, he made the team. Good for him. And this is the uh, guy that looked good was- early in the season before, early in the season last season before he got his anchor, ankle injury. So for yeah. him to have such a disappointing preseason, I, I just, goodness it's gracious. Concerning. It's concerning. And then there's concerns with everybody else there because uh, I'll talk about someone who was the opposite of Kaminsky who I thought looked really good in the preseason your boy Bullard Jonathan mm-hmm. Bullard he had himself a couple sacks had himself a good preseason there was a reason he was available to be signed by us going into the, like right before the start of the preseason mm-hmm. other people had a chance and said this guy isn't good enough to be on our team yeah. sometimes they're wrong sometimes they're not so there's you know he looked good but that's a question mark uh, Marlon Davidson, I was very happy with that draft pick last year. Didn't do shit last year other than get COVID and then get hurt. Um, so once again, a guy I didn't see him do much this preseason. I know he didn't play as much this preseason. He didn't look bad um, when he did play. Another guy, but just a big question mark. Right. He could be good. He could not. Uh, I think the last D lineman is Taquan Graham. Um, you know, rookie this year. So didn't see too much during the preseason, good or bad. Um, but as a rookie. And yeah, on the D line, that's a big, that's a steep. Very few D linemen come in and ball out as rookies. You can see it with some edge rushers, um, who have one job of sack the quarterback. You don't see it. You gotta learn those techniques in the Valley of the Big Men if you're an interior D lineman, and it takes a bit. So I would I expect anything from him? No, not really. And so once again, we've run through those names where there's some question marks that could be positives, mm-hmm. but essentially it's Grady Jarrett, Tyler Davidson, who does one good thing, and then all question marks. All question marks. And, and that's not a, not a good place to be in. It, it's not. Um, which brings us to our defensive and outside linebacker designated pass rushers. Actually, fewer question marks. I think just worse people. It. It's a damn shame when I don't know who our best pass rusher is, and we have a guy that we expected ten plus sacks from, and I don't even know if he's our best pass rusher because there's Jacob Tuiti Mariner and Dex Dexter Fowler, not Dexter Here's- Fowler. 
Dante. Dante Fowler. Um, shout out Too much Dexter MLB. Fowler, Atlanta homegrown product. Did his thing in the majors for years. I don't think he's there anymore. No, I think he's a free agent though. Where'd he go? Redam? Was he a Redam High School? Was, I think he. I think he. No, I don't. I don't know if he was Redam. I thought he was one of those uh, northern. This County. is way off topic, but it is way off topic. That happens when we talk on the slip in Atlanta Sports Podcast for the true ATL. We talk about Atlanta. It's what happens. We, we love it. Um, but Dante Fowler. You're at Milton High School. He went to Milton. Okay. Okay. But on to the other Fowler, Dante Fowler. This man is such a bum, he took a pay cut. He willingly, quickly, too. <laughs> there was no discussion. He said, listen, you're going to get cut? Or we're going to cut your, your paycheck? He said, you can cut my paycheck. I am a bum. And that's, that's the thing, because, you know, sometimes people take a pay cut, and it's real admirable. Your, your boy Tom Brady, for example, taking pay cuts to help build the team. Mm-hmm. I only took the pay cut because he went... Yeah, I know I can't even get this much if I go out on the open market. So I'll I'll take I'll take the pay cut. It's still going to be the most I can get. And and, and he's still going to be overpaid. And I'm sick of you know the argument I always heard about about him was, well he was helped out, that, you know his one really good year he was helped out by uh, playing that playing with Aaron Donald when you have Aaron Donald. Um, you know, it, it allowed him to do so much more. Once again, yes, Aaron Donald's great. I've already argued that Grady Jarrett is the second best defensive tackle. He's no damn slouch. You should be doing the same things you could with Aaron Donald. That's right. He's Grady Jarrett is calling for just as much attention as Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, I think, will over will win more times. Um, however, you still got that guy in the center. And he should be doing something on that outside because he's only going one on one. Trying to get you a sponsorship here, delicious bull rock cider. Not a sponsor of the slip yet. We'll see if we yeah. can uh, get, get him going. But continue with uh, with bashing on uh, Dante Fowler. What's your over under for sacks for Dante Fowler? Oh man. Um, if I were now once again over under, I'm I'm not taking either one right now. If I was, you know, the book in Vegas of what I'm setting it at, six. And I'd immediately take the under, and I'd put a million dollars at it. Would it can't be more than that if you're trying to set an over under that would right. get action either side, you know? Right, right. It says a lot to to what he's done. Yeah. I don't expect much from him. Like you, if I set the over under at six, I'd probably take the under as well. Mm-hmm. It it just I just I it just is, don't want it to out. be the same stuff. It's the same stuff. The Falcons can't get over get to the QB. We let him sit in the pocket for ten seconds. I don't care how good your corners are; they aren't going to be able to. They aren't going to be able to cover these professional wide receivers for that long. It it doesn't matter what happens. This this team needs to get after the QB. Otherwise, it's it's going to be the same thing where the Falcons are going to be giving up leads. 
because they can't make the stops when they need to because they can't get after the quarterback. And and let's let's talk about some of these guys that have to be getting after the quarterback. Um, in terms of who they have listed as as edge players, we mentioned a couple names. You got Dante Fowler. Uh, you got Jacob Tuioti Mariner. You got Stephen Means. You got uh, Aday Ogundeji, who I will say looked very he, good. He looked really good this preseason, um, and he may he could be our best pass rusher, which says a he lot. He might be our best our best pass rusher. He, well, no, the, our best pass rusher is Grady Jarrett. Oh, uh, is, uh, our our best um, outside pass rusher. Yeah, and then I think they have Brandon Copeland as an edge guy, but he's a special teamer, you know. Um, yeah. I don't have faith in. It. Here's the thing, Okendaji. Like I said, I was the person I might have been the highest on in the preseason. I thought he looked good. Once again, the rookie. There's gonna, but we don't really know. We have mm-hmm. to see him out there in those situations. Where if you're a rookie, rotational. He's not a starter. He wasn't a. You know, this isn't Chase Young going a top five draft pick. Right. Um, so I would say I'd be really happy if um, Okendaji got me three and a half sacks in some limited time that'd be good i, I would love that um, that means something uh, is going right tuioti mariner is a guy that i'm real high on because it's just it was what i call the, the baseball system you know baseball you work through the minors you make it to the pros if you put mm-hmm. in that work this is a guy that was on our practice squad for years for years just worked on that practice squad Continued to work got his got a cup of coffee when he got called up he put in work but this is a guy who I also see as rotational. If he gets me four sacks, that's a fantastic season for him mm-hmm. and his skill level. And as a backup, that's fine. Yep, that's Steve exactly Mead, right. Something similar. If he's getting me, I can only expect from Stephen Means three or four sacks. Um, and so all of these numbers, Brandon Copeland, I'm not really expecting anything. All of those numbers can only work if you have one dude that's getting you 15. And that would have to be Dante Fowler, but I see him getting, once again, three or four. That ain't good. That's not putting enough from your pass rushers on truly impacting the quarterback. Right. And, you know, I don't want to make sacks the end-all, be-all, because I do believe there's an element of, um, of just getting QB hurries and disrupting the play. But these people weren't even doing that. They, they, when you look at even the advanced stats of things like win, uh, win percentage at the line, they weren't winning either. And, and with what you said about sacks, it makes me think that that old Mike Smith uh, quote that they love to make fun of on a uh, 92.9 of, you know, sacks don't matter. It's not an important stat. Because he was talking about what you were talking about, that if you can get mm-hmm. the quarterback off his spot, disrupt things, it can be just as good as a sack which is true in some cases, but here's the thing. You know what guys that are constantly getting that pressure on the quarterback and getting him off his spot uh, and really affecting the plays, what they're also doing? Getting Getting sacks, sacks. typically. Getting sacks. (laughs) They're doing both because they're getting back there frequently. So if you're only getting three sacks, you're probably only disrupting another five or six plays. Mm -hmm. That ain't good enough. Yeah, and... There were, there's been so many times in the past few years where the Falcons seem to have get, gotten the win 
and didn't finish. And they need to be able to finish. That if you're going to disrupt the play, if you're going to get a hand on the QB, get a sack, get a strip, disrupt the throw, but don't win and let the QB get off a clean throw. That's not going to be effective. And that's exactly what had been happening um, over over the past few years, which has contributed to the Falcons struggling. Well, struggling to get after the QB. I mean, I, I think it, it's safe to say that, that it, it did contribute to the Falcons struggling overall. Absolutely. But. They're the two main concepts of, of football, which if you can't do these things, are going to lead to the struggles. Protect your quarterback, mm-hmm. affect the other quarterback. That's right. Plain and simple. I think we've done enough bashing on our pass rushers. Um, but I'm going to continue to bash on them because our leading sack getter might be from this position group, the um, the linebackers, which may be our biggest strength. We have a guy in Deion Jones who is a bona fide stud. Um, struggled at times over the past couple of years, but the dude's got speed. He's able to cover... He's able to tackle, and he may not even be our best linebacker anymore. It's um, it's funny to hear you say that. Pe- peeling back the curtain a little bit here, uh, as we did with Russell Gage. Now, you didn't give me this much pushback here. Um, do you remember when we used to debate about Foyer Aluakon? Uh-huh. I hopped, I hopped on the Aluakon train his you rookie did. year. You, you did. Tell me, like, the, his rookie year. You think he's gonna be something? I I, I I made fun of him and his name a lot. <laughs> but, I, I uh, think I, good. yeah. But you weren't as, you weren't down on him. I wasn't down talking. on him. I down. wasn't as high on him for uh, as you were. Yeah, but uh, but I agree with you there that I think um, Deion Jones is still great. Yes. Um, I think he's a very solid, especially I think this year where. You know he's not the he's not gonna have to be the stereotypical Mike, where his only weakness was sometimes he'd get lost in the wash. You know you get mm-hmm. big men out there, he's just not big enough. If you get a good guard who can get in front of him, like what can you do? He can't really fight through that. Uh-huh. But now that he'll have a little more freedom roaming around, I'm expecting a big year for him. Right. But I agree with you. I think uh, Foye is our best linebacker now. And. Foyer is a guy who I think got four and a half sacks last year. And like 37 forced fumbles, it seemed like. It, 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 the dude was a playmaker. He had three in that one game where he got hurt at like halftime. Mm-hmm. And now we have a new defensive coordinator whose motto is blitz. With Dean Pease coming out of retirement, we have two bona fide studs. I don't. I don't care who the middle linebacker is. I don't think it matters that much. Um, I think Foyer is the play caller now, um, but both can do that job and both can do the outside linebacker job, and that's only going to make it more difficult for the opposing quarterback. You know how quarterbacks come to the line and and point out who the mic is for mm-hmm. the offensive plays. Well, at that point, 
the Falcons can just flip the flip the play on because Deion Jones is well in, in in some instances, not in all instances, of course, but they can flip what they're doing amongst those linebackers, get that communication, and then make that your advantage. I mean, this linebacking core can really do some damage. And they can do some damage in coverage. They can do some damage in the run game. And they can also do damage as pass rushers. This, and I'm not, and I'm not even bringing in a young guy in Michael Walker, who I think is going to make a big jump this year after making a pretty good jump last year in his second season, or was that his first season? That was his rookie year. That was his rookie year. year. Look good. I'm, I'm glad to hear you bring that up because. As, as great, as great as I think our inside linebacker combo, uh, with Foyer, Aluakon, and Deion Jones, I'd be willing to argue, I'd have to go through the lists, but have a chance at being the best inside linebacker, specifically inside linebacking combo in the NFL. Yes, yes. Um, it, a, a, a very real chance that's possible. A real chance that's possible, but Michael Walker... In his rookie year, what a lot of people don't know, and I know this publication, some people are big on it, some people aren't. May Pro Football focuses all rookie team. Yeah, that's big. That's huge. Don't realize that. It's huge, and the reason that it was, and the reason he made it, was his coverage rating. Mm-hmm. And that's what's huge to me, that this is a guy, you got two dudes that can really get in there and thump and can rush the passer. He can do that a little bit, but if, you're, if you can feel more comfortable blitzing Debo, and sending foyer mm-hmm. because if there's that back if you're worrying about that back coming out of the uh, backfield or you're worrying about that tight end coming across the middle you have that third linebacker and michael walker who you can go cover that guy and he's already in his rookie year proven that he can mm-hmm. with with michael walker Deion jones and foyer aluakon i am thrilled with our starting linebacker core i'm concerned about our depth there's no one behind them. There's, really. there's no one behind them. There's I think their um, Ellerby didn't make the team. Uh, Ellerby, I believe, is on the practice squad. And did Etheridge make the team? Etheridge did make the team. Okay. And they were decent, but you know, yeah, decent, but- I, I I am worried that if this team, yeah, if they go down, that's going to be some problems. Between those two, I don't think they have any snaps of football. LRB might have gotten some with us at the end of last year, if I recall. Was he on the practice squad last year, too? I can't remember. I think so. I may be wrong there, but either way, there's behind those three linebackers, one of whom is a rookie, there are no linebacker snaps on, on our roster, which would, you know... Yeah, it's, a, it's a little bit, little bit iffy. I guess you it, could maybe yeah. bump like a Stephen Means to backer, and then have a combination of Walker Aluakon or uh, Walker Debo if one of the the two main guys is hurt. It, it's a it's a fantastic linebacking core. It's the one piece of our defense that I feel very strongly about. But as is the case with a lot of these position groups uh, that we've been discussing, uh-huh. don't feel comfortable with depth at all. Right. Um, and you know, these, these really, and there comes a time in NFL where people are going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen every year. You just got to hope go. that the people step up. 
Um, and right now we're a little bit thin in a lot of positions. And, you know, someone's just got to step up. Um, and I'm hoping some of these rookies that we got can possibly step up. Um, because, surprisingly, um, the only rookie that we're talking about is, is Kyle Pitts. Well, there were 10 other people. We had a lot of And picks. they all now, made I, the team. They did all make that, which is crazy if you think about that's it. A, that's number making that's a huge amount of the team. That's a fifth of the team making the roster that you just got. I, mean, we're, we're, I think we can all agree we're going to be talking about rookie pick Jalen Mayfield. I'm just worried it's going to be talking negatively about him. Right. Um, I do think we'll be positively talking. I've got hopes for uh, Ogundeshi. Uh-huh. I think fans will be talking about him, uh, and we may talk about. I think we'll probably talk about some guys uh, we haven't gotten to yet right. in our position breakdown. And so let's um, get to him um, now. For this, and I have to ask as we get to them: Do you have a good like two, three minute soliloquy? I got to run of the gentlemen's. I got to All right, because of the bold rock. So this is what we'll do: We'll both take a little bit of a break. When we come back on the slip, uh, we'll get into um, the secondary because that's the last position group that we got to talk about other than special teams. And that's actually going to have a good conversation as well. Um, So we'll be back on the slip in just a minute. We are back to the Slip in Atlanta Sports Podcast for the True ATLian. I am the host alongside with frequent contributor of 420 AM Radio, Mike. 
we are on to the Falcons preview talking about the secondary. And this is a group, and we'll break it in to corners and safeties because this is a group that's going to have some new people. And whew, having new two new people at safety has me worried. And I, I don't know if I saw much from them in the preseason. Um, but goodness gracious. How, what, what do you have to say about the, the, the safety position in particular? Oh, man. So starting with the safeties, um, it's... It's a question mark. Um, it, it's a big question mark. Now, once again, this has been a common theme that, that I've said. I know some of the listeners are probably saying, man, why does this guy keep saying everything is a question mark? Well, there are so many on this team. Um, it's kind of unheard of there, which is better than there being a lot of negatives. Um, you know, but they could be negatives. So you look at our safety group, Ricardo Allen's gone. Um, you know, Rico had some positives and some negatives in his own game. Um, but he was sort of that quarterback of the defense in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. you got to find a way to replace that. Uh, Keanu Neal is gone, um, which, you know, his big negative was health. Uh, other than that, that was a thumper that you had to worry about, that teams yep. had to have to keep in the back of their mind, yep. which was a big positive there. Two so people are going to be missed, lost. man. They'll definitely be missed because they brought some very important attributes onto mm-hmm. the football field. Yeah. Uh, and you replace them with two of these three guys. Now, there's one that I'm very hopeful of. Um, but you bring in two veterans. You bring in Deron Harmon. Uh, you bring in Eric Harris. Right. Now, I think the positive there is that these are veterans who have had some success. Um, of all the positions, because you remember going into the offseason, we didn't have any damn money. Um, yeah. We couldn't sign our rookie class until we traded Julio. Yeah. Um, Problematic, so to say the least. Yeah. You couldn't go out and get these free agents. But that being said, safety is the one group that they seem to prioritize first and foremost. Um, to say, that what little money we have, we're going to throw at this position group. Uh, and you bring in Harmon, you bring in Harris, you bring in guys with experience who... While, you know, we're not talking pro bowlers, we're not talking guys that are, you know, going to have a monumental shift to your team, they haven't been bad in the NFL. Um, So if they can play, when it comes to safeties, I'll say this, I feel better about our safeties than when we talk about our corners, Hmm. um, because they can play decent football. If both of them can be decent I think we could be in all right shape in safety because I don't think both of them are going to be starters for very long because you talk about rookies. I'm very high on Richie Grant. Um, And as the preseason wore on, I think we started to see um, a lot of the traits that had him as a fantastic player at UCF. Um, And I think he can be – he has traits of both Rico and Keanu. I don't Uh think he's either one. But I think he can bring a good bit of that. It's also someone, I think I saw a little of this in the preseason. I might have just been reading uh, about it, where he they may play three safeties instead mm. of it in a traditional nickel, have Richie Grant, because of his athletic ability, be that yeah. nickel corner, you know, corner, quote-unquote, um, 
I'm high on him. I think that's a name that we're gonna see. And with Harris, and you know, it's it's a situation. Harrison Harmon. It's a situation where I don't feel too bad about the safeties. You also you have Jalen Hawkins, um, who you know we didn't see much of last year, but was thought of pretty highly. Um, I think T.J. Green is technically listed as a safety. There's some options now. Once again, all of it. When I talk about that question mark that I put with a lot of groups, what I feel good about with this one is it's a less of a question because at the very least, if, it, if there's some growing pains with Jalen Hawkins, with Richie Grant as, as a, you know, a, a second year and a rookie respectively, right. there are proven commodities right now ahead of them on the depth chart that haven't been bad players that I think can step in uh, and at minimum – and maybe maximum, you know, you talk about the the low ceiling but high floor type guys that you can plug mm-hmm. in there and be like, all right, this is all right. What do you think about those safeties? I think Richie Grant is going to be a playmaker. I don't think he's going to be a playmaker at the beginning of the season. And only thing I need from the safety position is don't get beat over top, cover the tight end. If we're able to do those two things, that's all we need. I don't even need them. I think they will come down and help with the run game, but I don't even need that. Our run game was pretty damn good last year. Or our our run defense was pretty damn good last year. I think it was ranked in the top 10. If we can do that with our with our our linemen and our linebackers that gives them more freedom to help out those corners but i just don't i need them to make sure that they get the fundamentals correct if they're able to get the fundamentals correct i'll feel good about them at safety and i really do hope that grant is going to be able to come on learn some of what the defense is going to need from him and come in be able to help them in a big way because i don't expect him to come in um game one and be that big but i hope towards the middle of the season you know possibly after the um after the the bye week that he's going to be able to come in and possibly even start and i'm I'm not mistaken he was our second rounder right yes and that's a high second round pick yeah. That's a guy that you need make like, really contributing to the team That's right. pretty quickly. And he comes in, I think, to a fantastic situation where, once again, unlike a lot of second-round draft picks, you can afford to let him grow a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because you do have a solid, if not spectacular, option ahead of him. That's right. Where, like you said, um, it's not, I don't want to be waiting till midseason to see what Richie Grant's got. But I can wait till week four. Mm-hmm. You know, get him, get him limited plays in uh, the first couple of weeks before he really takes over. But I'm expecting a lot out of him. Yeah. And, I, it's, and it's a positive. He wasn't great in the preseason, but what he was was improving. Mm-hmm. Each of the games I saw him play, he did seem to get a little bit better. Which really, when you have rookies, that's what you're asking for. That's right. That That's absolutely correct. Um... having the veterans make me feel okay and there are guys that were signed knowing damn well that these veterans were going to have to come in and have some sort of production at least to an average level 
So I'm hoping that they're going to be able to get that job done. However, their job is going to be made a lot more difficult if these corners are not good. Um, we have one good corner, and that's A.J. Terrell coming in the second year. They've been, they've been ranting and raving about him in, um, in the training camp. They're, they're talking about him making that huge leap. He can make the biggest leap on earth. It does not matter if those second and third corners continuously get beat. And that's what we saw last year. Somehow Isaiah Oliver still has a job. (laughs) Oh, you you took some words out of my mouth. Um, I was very high on AJ Terrell last year. Mm -hmm. Um, And if he can continue that trajectory as a true, that's he has the potential to be an elite number one corner. Yep. Um, Maybe not this year in terms of that elite word. Um, but by the end of the rookie contract, has the I saw enough that I think this guy can grow into an elite number one corner. Downside, floor, what I saw from him, a floor, uh, Desmond Trufant, who got a lot of hate with the birds, but... He was a good corner. He was a good corner. He was yeah. a good corner. He was playing for a while. That's floor, and I expect him to surpass that floor mm-hmm. because he's looking much better, much earlier than True did. Yes, uh, in his time here, so I'm comfortable there. But you're exactly right; it is a bad situation when Isaiah Oliver beats out the rest of your corners for a starting spot. Yeah, um, that ain't good. Fabian Moreau is the other guy that he was battling with. I have no faith in this guy. I have absolutely no faith. Kendall Sheffield is hurt. um, And he did not show the growth as much as I would have liked last season. Um, And then then after that, you have Darren Hall. Who the hell is he? Is he he one of the rookies that we picked up? He is one of the rookies. Um, So, you know, that... um... He may be something. Uh, there's there's two of them. There's uh, there's Darren Hall, and there's Avery Williams. Um, if I'm not mistaken, both rookies uh, this year, and so you know they can be okay. But of all the positions, of all the positions where you don't want to throw rookies into the fire, to me, cornerback is number one. Yeah. Which is why I think I'm so impressed with AJ Terrell. Yeah. Um, because of what he was able to come in and do as a rookie. That's right. Uh, but just because, you know, the way that the NFL is is officiated these days and the way that teams scheme their game plans, corner is nigh impossible sometimes uh, where everything gets flagged. Uh, and, and they're throwing it 75% of the time in, in some teams. Um, so you really don't want to throw those guys into the fire. And so Darren mm-hmm. Hall and Avery Williams, and these are not – first round picks these aren't the aj terrells these are guys that are probably going to need some time to grow uh and so they're people that i don't want to be to have to be counting on this year Uh uh-huh we're probably gonna have to count on them if isaiah oliver and kendall sheffield are still taking meaningful snaps and and that's not what we want in, in two and three years respectively there 
Yeah, that's that's not what we need or want at all. Um, it's oh my goodness, I, I don't even. And and here's the thing. Let me say, my biggest concerns with the corners have to do sort of with my views of Kendall Sheffield, where Kendall Sheffield was absolute trash his rookie year, made some strides. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. You know, I, in fact, I told you, I went on from calling him the biggest bum we've drafted because he was also a second-round draft pick being, to eating my words. I ate some crow, and as soon as I digested that crow, he started to suck again. I was like, okay, shouldn't have eaten that crow. It looks like I was right. And then he, it's just the roller coaster, and then he was good towards the end of last year when they moved his role from really a cornerback to sort of a hybrid defensive back. Where mm-hmm. he was blitzing sometimes, yeah, um, but do, doing a little slot work, coming in for very specific plays and reasons, schemed up that way. And I was like, you know what? We don't have any money for his price tag. I'm okay with him being the fifth corner that you scheme. You know, he comes in for specific scheme plays. Exactly. That was fifth corner. He won a starting job somehow, and that concerns me. He was close to beating out, if he hasn't, beaten out your boy Fabian Moreau. Um, that ain't good. That ain't good. It ain't good at all. It, it's just worrisome. We knew it was going to be a problem coming in. And this is what we're left with. They better get after that QB. <laughs> you have to, but once again, it, it, it's that combination of things. What yeah. did we say earlier? We don't have any faith in them being able. There, You know what? There's one name. That we have to put all of our faith in, and that's Dean Pease. It has come somehow from Dean Pease's retired ass. We have to be like, hey, we don't have the ability to get to the cornerback or to recover the receivers. You have to do miracle work. And you know the thing that's worrisome about that—that's the um, you know saying that our biggest signing. I'm not saying that you say this, but our biggest signing of the deep the season on defense was us signing dean pease that's the lazy sb nation rhetoric that means that that defense is in some deep trouble deep deep trouble i wouldn't quite use that rhetoric i would say the biggest hey you heard me say it here i would say the biggest signings were the safeties that we brought in Mm -hmm. um because we had and you know really and mike davis because we've completely redid our safeties and running backs right um but dean pease has become the most important yeah but that's not a good thing it's not a good thing if you have if this level of football if you have to rely you want to try to out scheme every team but if your only chance is to out-scheme the other team, that's mm-hmm. a terrible position to be in. Look at our offense, for example. Yeah. Our offense has enough playmakers where, theoretically, we shouldn't have to out-scheme other teams. We right. should be able to go out there, run our playbook, and say, we have the pieces to beat you. Defensively, we don't. you got to throw the kitchen sink at them with the talent level we have outside of linebacker. And it, it worries me. It worries mm-hmm. me. It, it, it definitely does worry me because, like, you know, sometimes you say that, you know, hey, if our offense is really good, then that really helps out our defense. Yes, to a certain extent. It only works when you have playable players on that defensive side. And right now, 
we aren't sure if we have two capable cornerbacks. I think we have one. We have one. But we need at least two. That's one thing that time will tell. If you had to ask me right now, do we have two? No. No, I don't think we do. Just like I don't think we have a left guard, I don't really think we have anyone that can rush the pass. Those are my three big concerns with this team. Let's move on to something that isn't going to be a concern. Kicker. Young Way Koo. Young Way. I mean, what a redemption here, right? He, he He came back to be a top kicker last year. Reliable. Never returned, they never returned his cleats. Those thieves in our city. And it's just, it's amazing to see, um, you know, after a guy like Mike Bryant retires, um, poor guy, he, he, he went out trying at, at 40-something years old. I can't blame him for that. Um, he's, got to, he's got like 17 kids he's got to feed. <laughs> Um, but young Waku coming in, being consistent, that makes me feel good. What doesn't make me feel good is on the other side of the, of the, the special teams where you don't notice this person unless they're bad. And our returning punter, Hoflechter? Hoflechter? Sterling Hoflechter. What a name. I, I mean, it's... it's Right out of the frat house in Syracuse. He is on the IR. Doesn't look like he's going to play this year. And and who we have is Cameron Nizialak. I don't. Let's just call him Cam for now. We get we got our man Cam, who sounds like he's. Um, Either lactose intolerant or an aphrodisiac. Um, what? <laughs> and we we don't know what the hell he's going to be bringing. Oh, we uh we don't. I'll say you know the, the, there's one thing that makes me happy uh, about him. There are two things that make me happy about him being punter. Um, but I think it should also be pointed out. Do you remember who our second string punter was? I don't, but they, I know they're also um, on the island. Our man, um, ah, man, what was his name? He had a hell of a name, of, too. What kind of shit luck that two punters wind up on the aisle? Yeah. Um, but, uh, and now Cam, I'm like a dog on a bone with this. Who was that man that was cut? Cam Nizeliak, um... Hopefully, we'll never have to know his name because, like you said, if he's doing his job decently, we don't really have to know it. Um, but did you see the photo that um, that the Falcons, I believe, official Instagram put out of him and Youngway? No, I, I, that, was I, the kicker, that was the kicker punter combo of the short lived Atlanta Legends. I don't know if uh, the listeners remember the, the Atlanta short Legends. list of Atlanta Legends. It, it was the the failed Alliance of American Football League, where be you and I and, and our brother Ross. I think we may be three of max 
3,000 people that ever made it to an Atlanta Legends game. <laughs> yeah, man. Hell yeah, the Atlanta Legends. I still got that towel. Still got, I got a towel around here somewhere. Oh, so God. now we have their kicker and their punter. If it's anything to go by, um, the kicker, the Atlanta Legends kicker became arguably the best kicker in the league last year. Uh-huh. Uh, in Youngway. Um, uh, maybe the punter will do a little something. Um, it's one of those positions though when you get no names at punter i haven't understood this but nfl teams to me have put until still to this day have put nowhere near enough thought and attention into their punters these are important positions they are important every game determining field because like you'll watch the nfl draft and someone will draft a punter in the sixth round like oh they drafted a punter what are they doing those idiots i'm like this is important this is an important part this is a starter on your team you should invest in that you should groom it but because no one really does there are a lot of guys on the street that can come in and do just as good a job because there's only one per team and there's yeah. probably not only 32 good punters graduating each year. Um, so, you know, there's there's some hope. I'm not going to hate on the punting situation. He looked all right in the preseason. He looked all right. Um, Just do your thing. Now, the, the, other, the other punter that got uh, hurt, Dom Maggio. That was Dom, I don't... Did Dom Maggio get hurt? I thought Dom Maggio just got cut. I well, he, he got cut, hurt. waived injury. So so maybe he uh, he pulled a hammy, maybe he pulled a quad, but um, hey, I'm gonna throw this out there. I think there's another punter whose name we don't know that is also that was ahead of Dom Maggio, and uh, your man lactose intolerant Cam, um, it, who got IR'd earlier on. I I think you're absolutely correct, and the fact that the fact that he was signed never made an appearance. In a preseason game, I don't think. Yes, yes, yes. You're correct. So we're and Dom Maggio. That definitely is that is some crazy luck. It was incredibly poor luck um, with that. But you know, getting back on track there, we talk about the punters. Um, that's one I think will be all right, and it's one that if we're not, you can cut a punter pretty quickly, pretty easily, mm-hmm. and find someone else. Who can do the job just because of historically how undervalued the yeah. position has been so that there are yeah. street free agents that can come in and do a decent job the same is not always said of kickers which you know thank god for young way Koo. remember uh, who was your boy uh Tavecchio? remember george ah, the italian there? ice the italian ice when everyone was like yeah this guy can replace money matt bryant wrong. no wrong he made he made a couple good when he, he made a couple of, good kicks when he needed to, but he could not had, secure the job in the preseason. Yeah, well, last year, big money, big money. Mac got hurt. Yeah, Italian Ice came in and hit some big. I think like a fifty-yard against the uh, against the Jets. We, and I remember doing this thing, and we were like, or the Jets yeah. or the Giants. But then they, I don't remember who it was against. I remember it happened, and then I remember they cut Money Matt. Um, for Tavecchio, yeah, and then I feel like that man missed his next four kicks to start the year. The, the, the man was absolutely ass. terrible, and so, um, it might be the number two reason why why that man um, Dan Quinn lost his job. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, 
frankly, if you're making shit decisions like that, yeah, like Matt Bryant, this says a lot because of another guy I'll mention here. But I think Matt Bryant was the best kicker we ever had. Yeah, that's counting Morton Anderson, yeah. who was the all-time leading scorer. I think Matt passed him. But at one point, Morton was the all-time leading scorer for yes. both the Birds and the Saints. Right. So an all-time great. I think Money Matt was better. And then you go, no, we're going to take Tavecchio because he made two kicks. Mm-hmm. Bad decision. Questionable. Questionable. I put that on Dimitrov. Because you, you didn't want to pay $3 million. It was, it was a, it was a roster choice. Because you didn't want to pay him. And then they paid him every damn dollar. Uh, prorated when he joined the team. So I was like, yeah, hold him to it, Matt. Um, so we've covered kicker and punter. What are your thoughts on the return game, the potential of the return game? Well, Cordero Patterson is is a, a top five kick returner in the league. So I feel good about that. Um, apparently, one of the rookies won the um, the punt return job. Avery Williams. Um, so, you know, good. You know, I I don't really have anything about that as long as he catches it. Um, which brings me to one of my, the funny points about the, uh, the preseason. Did you see that bum on, um, who did we play on the Browns that attempted to catch the punt in front of the punt returner? Oh, I did. I did. Yeah. The fuck was that? He did catch it, too. If if he was on offense, it would have been a great fair catch. In front of him. I don't know if that guy, you know how sometimes they'll bring in, like, rugby players? For his sake, I hope that that man had never played football before. Because that was an insanely dumb decision. I'm not sure. Only, Only tops. Um... I don't know if you watched, you know, it's college football season. I don't know if you watched any week zero, as they call it, football last night. I Saturday. did not. Oh, well, my Huskers. Nah, yeah, so, so I, I did hear about team. them. Our best corner was returning punts for some reason, fielded one on the two, ran into the end zone, tried to pitch it, ended up getting a safety. Oh, my um, God. Essentially, as long as Avery Williams isn't doing that, and maybe return one or two, other than, like, remember when Weems, uh, not Weems round one with the birds, but Weems round two with the birds when he came back? Yeah. It was our punt returner. I don't know if he returned any punts. I think he, he I think he fart, fair caught every single one. And, and it made people angry because they were like, yo, get let Russell Gaines do something. He may be able to return it. He, he the man only fair caught. It's a league where every yard counts. If you can catch it, you can't be scared about getting hit. If you think you might, you know, if he's right there, fair catch it, by all means. But if you think you can catch it and maybe get two or three yards before yeah. you get hit, get those two or three yards, those are, those could be very important. Yeah. All right. So we'll see. We'll see. And I think it's a positive if Williams can't do it, at worst case scenario, you just let Cordero Patterson do it, and he has a yeah. track record. So yeah. Comfortable there. And Josh Harris is back after his one day of being released. Yeah, that was a funky move. <laughs> I, I I'm not sure what happened. I sure it's something with the cat, but um, yeah. Huh. Anyway, man, this has been a blast. 
Um, to round things up, and do you see the Falcons making the playoffs? Oh, man. Uh, so there's two answers. There's the fan in me, and I always say I'm a fan in the true sense. I'm a fanatic. I know we're not going to go undefeated, but I think we'll win every week. That part of me uh, says yes. And there is a little bit of truth to, I think, the Birds having enough talent to make the playoffs. I do yeah. think that. Um, but the struggle, the problem, I don't think we have any depth. And we yeah. talk about how in the NFL there are going to be injuries. Um I don't think we have the depth to overcome any serious injuries to multiple yeah. roster positions. I, like, I, you yeah. should be built. No team can overcome, say, if you lose a start, two starting offensive linemen, a starting running back, a starting receiver, a backer, no one can do that. But you should be able to withstand, I'll say, maybe three biggish, not your biggest names, but your biggish names. I don't think we're able to do that position-wise. Mm-hmm. The realist in me says no. Um, the realist in me says I think the birds will be much improved for last year. Uh-huh. Um, much improved for last year would put us somewhere around the 500 mark. Uh-huh. I view it in a way. Remember Dan Quinn year one? Yeah. I'm I'm kind of hoping for an early Dan Quinn type thing where Dan Quinn year one took us from ironically I think four wins in Mike Smith's last year. It might have been five. Um, but similar to where we are now, he took him to 500, Super Bowl the year after. Yep. Um, not saying we're going to make the Super Bowl in two years. I think we could if Arthur Smith is able to put his imprint, mm-hmm. do what he, what he wants to do, get his pieces in, because next year the cap goes back up. We'll have some more money. We can address some of the holes. Right. We'll have our, our really young team. It has a chance to grow. Do I think the Birds have a chance to make the playoffs this year? Absolutely. I absolutely do. Would I bet money on them making it this year? No. What about you? If they make the playoffs, it's going to be as a seven seed. It's going to be as a six seed. I think that they are good enough to be second in in the division. I don't know if they're good enough to go 11-6. and Twelve and five. They're gonna they're gonna have to be a ten and seven, nine and eight team making the playoffs, which is possible since seven teams make it. Yeah, it's doubtful. Yeah. I I think they're hovering around that five hundred. I think they're gonna go eight and nine, nine and eight. And another thing that we'll all have to say, um, you just said the records for the first time. We have to yeah. all remember. There's an extra game. We don't really know what a record, what a playoff record is going to look like anymore. Right. Um, Because, you know, you go years past. Historically, there have only been a few exceptions where this didn't happen. Historically, you went 10 and 6. You got a play. You got a wild card spot. Uh Uh-huh. You go 10 and 7. I don't know if that's going to be the case. You know, it gets it gets a it, little tricky. Yeah, it can be a little bit tricky, but it could also go on the other end where it could. If, yeah, if you're eight and nine, nine, that could be good enough. It could. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to think when we think of the playoffs, I hate to say it, but you know, the Bucks are probably gonna win the division. 
Yeah. Their entire fucking team is. Oh, am I allowed to curse? Yes, you are. I'm okay. You are. Well, their entire fucking team is back, so they'll <laughs> probably want it again. Right. Um, you know, the, the East, um, they're bad, but there's potential. Like, Dak back could make the Cowboys decent. Um, Philly, I wouldn't bet on them, but it's hard to bet against them. They're one of those teams that could be bipolar. They're either going to be better than us or way worse than us, I would uh-huh. say. We just don't really know. Um, in the West, you know, Seattle's good. Um, can Arizona make a leap with Kyler Murray? Possibly. Um, There's a lot of question marks out there. There are a lot. So yeah. So if if you're if the birds made the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised. I always say if I was a gambling man, I'd do this. I am a gambling man. I would not put. I'm not putting money on us to start this season. Uh huh. I agree. Angry. But I'm going to be there cheering. And That's right. Every That's right. Game. Every Thank single you. week expecting us to win. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious, man. Beautiful. This has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's about time for us to wrap this up. Um, this has been the Falcons preview on the slip with guest host Mike from 4:20 a.m. radio we hope to see you next week when we go through our our uh first game and we'll we'll do a reaction show with that um but as always you can find the podcast on spotify you can find it on apple podcast you can find it on stitcher please rate follow subscribe review unsubscribe unfollow refollow resubscribe re-review and always don't slip don't be slipping all right i just stopped recording we're still live i just wanted to stop recording that was a lot of fun man that that was was a lot of information man always good to talk birds always good to we we study the team we have informed opinions and they're always good to throw those out there in the crazy thing, I feel like we could have kept talking. Oh, I, I have another hour in me at least if we got some more bathroom breaks in there. <laughs> we can always get some. We can always get some bathroom breaks. Let me go through. JN, thank you for um, sticking in. Um, my man JN Lee, I'm in a chat, uh, said good job. Double dopeness. Um, let me go back through. Um, Giggities. Um, Oh, KT, thank you for the gifted sub, the giggities. Um, Taco, thank you for the resub. Um, it's always you, much buddy. appreciated. Um, as as my guy Taco says, um, never expected. Um, my man Jayden said, you got to get on Twitch, Mike. <laughs> I got Hey, bring me on Twitch sometime. Man. Hey, I'll man, listen. I What I plan on doing is I plan on having reaction shows. Um, I gotta get that passion out sometime, and I know Miss Slip isn't gonna gonna want that. So I I gotta t- we gotta get together. We we have these phone calls afterwards anyway. Um, but whenever you're willing to come on, you know you're always welcome. Let's have hey, some reaction should, shows together. Y'all should know. Listen, and B and I we we talk oh, two hours a week Atlanta sports. Uh, we we talk a lot of Atlanta sports. 
Um, so all got... the way from, I mean, everything I talk about on on the show, on the slip, I talk about with you, uh, whether it's mm-hmm. Falcons, Braves, whether it's Atlanta United, whether it's the Hawks. Hell, I mean, we go, we support damn near every single Atlanta team. We support the indoor lacrosse team. We went to that Georgia Swarm. Hey, once again, our champion Georgia Swarm. Watching the boys, check, checking out the top prospects. Had Dylan Dodd on the hill, Von Grissom playing second. We keep up with these boys. Mm-hmm. I, I and it's just so you know one of the reasons why I like bringing you on because you were also here for the um, the Falcons preview last season, which is on. Uh, of course, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. Rate, subscribe, review. Um, there's a reason why I have you on. It's because it's fun and we are knowledgeable. This isn't just horse shit that we're talking about. Except for last year, we uh, we were mistakenly hopeful about uh, Dante Fowler. We were mistakenly hopeful about Dante <laughs> Fowler. I think anybody would have been. Um, that man wasn't just a disappointment for a big signing. The man was a disappointment as a regular player. If he was, if he was making one million, it'd be like, damn, who is this bum? He was worse than Stephen Means and uh, JTM, who was making five hundred to seven hundred fifty thousand last year. Yeah, yeah, it was it was bad, and uh, you know now that I've seen it firsthand. I've watched a full season, every game, every snap. Uh-huh. Like, you don't have it. It was just like, um, it, same and different than Vic Beasley. Yeah. Where, you know, you watch Vic Beasley and it was, and we said it, we said it before Vic Beasley's last season when, when Dan Quinn was talking about, I'm going to work with him personally. Put his job on the line for that man. His job on the line for him. And I'm going, I don't see any damn effort. And I, I've heard nothing about him putting in extra work. You got Chuck Smith coming on 92.9 saying, hey, I'll work with this man. I'll get him there. And he hasn't called me. That, um, even which... Tack did. Even Tack called to work with Chuck Smith. And I was just like, come This is, what do you, and then we find out, of course, that Vic Beasley didn't want to play football. But before we heard that, you could tell. We could yeah. tell. Yeah. We'll yeah. About, yeah. That, like, that man didn't want it. He didn't want it. And, and Dante Fowler, I get similar vibes. Not from the wanting to play football, but I get similar vibes and seeing it and going, he, he don't have it. It's, just, it's something missing. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right with that. It, and just disappointing to say the least. Um... This Falcons team, they have the potential. I mean, the the range of what they can do. In all honesty, I could see them going 3-14. and 14. I can also see them possibly winning the division. Uh, I, I wish I could. I, 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 I think it's, a, it's possible. I don't think it's great, but it, it's that huge of a range. It, it's yeah, I see what you're it, saying. It's yeah. it's so huge wow. that it's tough to really gauge this team because so I, many things have to go right that can go right. 
But so many I'm things sure. can go wrong and possibly could go wrong. I'd shorten it up a little bit simply because in 17 games, I don't see Matt Ryan only winning three games with the, with the weapons. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like that four games of last year, and sem- we, we can say, we know, by the end of the season, people had sort of quit. Yeah. You stop, you stop believing. Not saying that they're not putting out effort, but when you really stop believing you can win. I've been on, I've played on teams like that. When I played uh-huh. in Solonic, um, there are some seasons, uh, those two seasons, where it's like, uh, you know, we're playing because we like it, but we're not going to win. Hey, we got to yeah. go to San Antonio this weekend. Trinity yeah. will beat us by 50, but we get to see San Antonio. You play Trinity? Um, I did, yeah. You, you know, know I've Trinity? taken a couple trips out to Trinity. Really? Yeah, okay, my boy, yeah. my boy Skip went to Trinity. Trinity fucking waxed us when we went out yeah, there. goodness, man. I, was a city. I was close to playing baseball at Trinity. They had a great program. Yeah. Um, f- fun fact uh, about Trinity and sort of their dominance Um think this was on i don't think i told you this story um but so the conference that i played in collegiately doesn't exist anymore and trinity is the reason why um because it was the SCAC at the time the southern collegiate athletic conference um and trinity won fucking everything uh and then the few times they didn't win depaul do you know depaul yeah i know depaul and when they didn't depaul would win so the rest of the teams, they use the excuse of location because, in fairness, those were by far the two furthest teams. Um, so essentially they went, hey, it doesn't make any sense for us financially um, to make these long trips. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were just like, we can't kick you out of the conference. So the other eight teams left the conference and then founded their own conference. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and then invited some... Barry was in the conference, and I think maybe Oglethorpe got an invite. Wow. Yeah, Barry College was in there and Oglethorpe to replace them. <laughs> They're just like, y'all are too... Re- they said location, really it was, you two win everything. This isn't fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. Fun fact about Barry, um, the uh, dorm scene in... Or dorm scenes and uh, training camp scenes and remember the the Titans were filmed at Barry. Were they? Yeah, they sure were. Um, an additional fact, I know they filmed some of it at Druid Hills. That's right. Well. Both yeah. Druid Hills in Atlanta High School and Barry College, of course, in Georgia. More facts about Georgia and Atlanta on the on the slip in Atlanta Sports hey, Podcast got, for the True ATL again. We got plenty of them. Goodness gracious. Well, I think it's time for us to go ahead and raid somebody else. Um, Let me find someone who to raid. Um, Being a part of the Sports Accelerator program, I'll find somebody in the sports section. Uh, Let me see if somebody is live that just went live. That would be good. Um... So there's a guy that um that's talking um wrestling. Um you want to go to him? I mean personally, yes. Who is <laughs> This guy Ben Shin underscore underscore is hope to meet new friends and see some guys on Twitter. Let's interact in real time and talk wrestling. 
Um, hope to collab with some of you wrestling streamers. I'm not a wrestling streamer. I know you love wrestling. I do. Rampage is on right now. Maybe he's reviewing that. Let's see. So let's go ahead and send the good vibes over to this guy. Once again, I appreciate everybody for um, tuning in. Um, it's been a blast day. Um, we'll be back on Sunday with the Sunday Slip where I have my seven articles of the week that I find most interesting. Um, but as always, don't slip. Don't be slipping. 4.20 a.m. radio. Good listen. <laughs> slip them if you got them. Always remember, you got to slip them if you got them. Always.